Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. your word is supernatural. They are not just words. They are spirits. Jesus said, it is the spirit that gives life. The flesh brings no profit. The words that I speak, they are spirits and they are life. I pray as I speak, there will be release of spirit. There will be the release of life. Chains broken. Burdens lifted, lives realigned, destiny realigned because of the power of your word. Thank you, Father. Help me, Lord, to prophesy as I am commanded in the mighty name of Jesus. Help me to speak your mind to your people. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. God is good. We're going to continue our message series, the life portfolio. I heard some people are confused. Some people are like, what is he talking about? When you come to the house of the Lord, just be open-minded. Amen. All right. The Lord can use anything to speak, right? Jesus was very, very, was the greatest teacher. All right, he taught using trees, he taught using birds, he taught using things that, are, that were going on in those days. If Jesus were to be here, he's going to use what is going on around to speak, right? All right, he's going to talk about stock market, he's going to talk about what's going on around us because, you know, that is how he preached. So I want you to be a little more attentive, right? Don't be subjective. Be objective, be open-minded, and allow God to speak to you. Amen. Amen. We're going to do part two today, and I title it, you know, I change the title a little bit to what is in your bulletin. I say your greatest asset, your greatest asset. I'm going to start by having all of us read about three passages of scriptures together. Uh, so we're going to read, the first one we're going to read is Psalm Eight, verse three, four, and five. We're going to read the three of them. We're going to read First uh, Peter, eight, uh, chapter one, eighteen, and nineteen. And we're going to read Second Corinthians four, seven. So, can we read this together first? One, two, go. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. And you have crowned him with glory and honors. You know, this is David wondering. You know, it's like, it's just, you know, one thing about David, he was a very, very reflective individual, introspective. You know, he was just thinking and wondering in his mind. You know, it was like him journaling, and that became the, you know, something we get to see. Amen. He's wondering why God values human beings so much. I'm sure he saw a lot. He saw a lot about himself. 
You know, he saw a lot about people around him. He's like, wow, why do you care about human beings so much? Uh, you know, we're going to find out, you know, but let's go to the next uh, passage, which is First Peter 8, chapter 1, I believe, as 18 and 19. Let's go. One, two, go. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you are redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. So, so Apostle Peter here is giving, he's talking to us and he's saying, the Lord redeemed us. To redeem is to buy back. You know, something that was, you know, it's like to pay a ransom in some ways. So he's saying that <clears throat> uh, it wasn't with perishable things. The Lord redeemed us with the blood of Jesus, even though it looked like we had no value. Right? He said we had empty, our empty way of life that was handed over, and the Lord chose to redeem us with the precious blood of Christ, which is his son. Amen. Second Corinthians 4, 7. Second Corinthians 4, 7. Let's read one, two, go. But we have this treasure in earthen verses, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Now, what is common with these three passages is they're really talking about the value of, of human life, our value to God. How valuable are we? All right? That's what is common. You know, the first, you know, David is talking about what is human being? Why are they so valuable to God? Why does God ascribe such value to them? Even though naturally it looks like they, are, they can do a lot of things that angels can do. They look more delicate. They look more. But God places a greater value. The same thing is Peter talking about that even though our way of life seems to be empty, but God chooses to redeem us not with silver and gold. He chooses to redeem us with the precious blood of Jesus, you know. In the Old Testament, is an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You redeem something based on what is equal to, right? You value it. You say, this is how we buy you back. So when God was going to buy us back, he decides we are worth his son, Jesus Christ. I thought somebody's going to clap for that. I appreciate God for that. So we are a treasure to him, and he, that's why Second Corinthians 4, 7 says the treasure is in an but all this, play, all this scripture is talking about our intrinsic value. Intrinsic is uh, the value that you have because of you, not necessarily external. So in the, I'll go a little bit into economic term now or investment term. When we value things in economic or investment term, uh, we look at whether it is the intrinsic value or the extrinsic value, right? We value things based on what they are. I will give you an example. If you're going to value a house, you know, the intrinsic value of a house is really the value of what it is made of, right? You know, what is cost, or we call it uh, the replacement cost of a house, right? What we use to build it, you know, all those wood, everything, you know, labor, that's the value of the house. But that is really talking about the intrinsic value of the house. That is always different from the market value of the house, right? 
you know, it's different from the market, but I'm sure I have uh, tons of real estate agents here. So when we value a house, we, you know, there's a difference between the intrinsic value and the value of it, right? The same house, same size, built with exact same material. Put in Roselle, for example, maybe it might cost $200,000. You put the same house in Morristown, it might be $700,000, right? What changed? They are built with the same material. It costs the same thing to make both houses. So intrinsically, they are worth the same. But when you're talking about extrinsic value, that means there are other factors there, right? Some, there are external factors that causes that value to be different. You know, in this case, an example I just gave is the environment, right? Where it's located. It could also be based on the kind of people that live in that place. How much are they willing to buy? So markets can really now say, you know, because the house is here, and people will live here, even if we want to sell it for half a million, they won't be able to afford it. So that forces the value down. That's what is called market value, right? You see, intrinsically, we are all made in the image of God. And I really want you to get this. Don't be lost. Don't say, oh, here we go again. These terminologies, they're not that complicated. And I want you to know some people are using these terminologies to really control our lives anyway. I'm sure some of you just figured out houses cost different in same place, in different places. You're like, wow, now I know. It's good to know these things. Very important. Amen. So there is what is called the intrinsic value that we have. And these passages we talk about, talks about our value to God. That we are of great value. You know, we are equally valuable to God. Every person is worth Jesus Christ to God. You know, when God looks at every, each one of us, he saw a valuable person. And he determines we are worth pursuing we are worth saving, we are worth redeeming, and he put a treasure in us, and he determines that we are worth that much. That's our intrinsic value. Another way to look at it is what is called the potential value. All right? A little different, but it's connected. You know, what is inside of us is sometimes different from, you know, what we are able to produce. Now, the difference between intrinsic and extrinsic is two things. Number one is the environment, all right? The environment or factors that are sometimes that are, that are outside of the material itself, right? But the second thing that determines the extrinsic value of things is the process. You know, sometimes things become what, more worthy because it's processed, I'll give you an example. If actually, let me give you a scripture. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 27. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 27. This is very critical. The Bible says, The lazy man does not roast what he took in hunt. You know, a lazy person does not roast his game. So this is using agrarian, agrarian language now. Now, if a, if a person goes to hunt, if a hunter goes to hunt, you know, in those days you kill an animal, right? And, uh, you, you get, and you try to sell it. So let's say you are able to kill a deer, all right? 
And you, you know, you want to sell the idea. Now, the intrinsic value of the idea is the same, right? A deer is a deer. Let's say two hunters. They go, they kill a deer. It's about the same size. They come home. And one of them decides, you know what? I am going to roast mine and make some roast beef out of it, right? I'm going to, you know, put some pepper, do something nice, and try to sell it differently. And the other person says, I don't have that time. I'm just going to stand on the road. Those of us who grew up in Africa, we... <laughs> People, you're going on a highway, somebody stands on the road and he gets some, uh, some deer and he's just flinging it and you're driving and you're like, you stop and you buy it. Now, you only have maybe six hours, right? Otherwise, it's not useful anymore, right? You have six hours, maybe less, to be able just to sell that, all right? So guess what happened? You're under pressure to sell, Right? And the people really know that you're under pressure to sell, and they price it based on that. So you get less out of it. But the other person says, you know what, I'm going to roast it. I'm going to make some, I'm going to call it some name, filet mignon. I'm going to, I'm going to just, I'm going to. And what happened? He makes more money out of that. Maybe 10 times more, right? You know, the difference is, one of them is able to put more work. So that's why Proverbs here say a lazy person would not roast their game. All right? They won't roast their hunt. So the lazy people, they make less. Even though they are, they are able to do the hard work of hunting, but they are not able to do the processing work, the refining work that brings the real value out of the game. Praise the name of Jesus. You see, our life is a lot like that. Even though we are all intrinsically, you know, made valuable by God. What we get out of it at the end of the day depends on how much work we're willing to do. You see, how much refinement we're willing to go through. How much we are, you know, how much effort are we willing to put in ourselves to make the best of ourselves. Praise the name of Jesus. I will read a few scripture. You know, hopefully that will, that will help us. But before I get there, I will say some, I will, I will, let me say a few things. The first thing that allows us to really be able to make the best of ourselves is first discovery. Discovering our value. All right, so the lazy person here didn't understand there is much more value I can get out of this game, right? But some, the other person is able, is able to realize there is much more to this meat than what people see, right? If I can put a little bit more work, right, I can get a lot more out of that. You know, that affects how we live our life. You see, people who are able, by the grace of God, to see how much potential they have, they're willing to put a lot more to process themselves, right? To refine themselves, to develop themselves so that they can make the best out of themselves. And that's why my message today is, you know, to let you know that the greatest asset you have 
is actually you. It's you. You know, it's not things. The greatest asset. You know, you are your own greatest asset. And if you're willing to invest a lot more into yourself, because even though you're a great asset, you are raw in a lot of ways, right? You're raw, you know, you're like unrefined gold, you know, just dug out of the ground. Now, a lot of processing is needed. I mean, you see what is going on in, uh, in Africa. You know, very, very sad story, right? If you see all over Africa, you know, they would dig all this diamond, gold, and sell it raw. Sell it raw. People, people come all over the world, they just give them peanuts, right? And they just, whether it's oil, whether it's gold, whether it's diamond, cobalt, people go there and give them money. It looks like a lot of money, but they quickly sell, all right? And they take it and refine them, you know, make them into rings. Right? This probably, this ring maybe costs $2,000 or whatever it costs. Maybe it's bought for like $20, the, the quality, <laughs> you know. But because it's refined, right, and uh, reprocess and call a wedding ring, Right? Then I pay $2,000 for it. That's not the real value. The value is a lot less. The intrinsic value is a lot less. But that's really our life. All right? Most, most times we sell ourselves short because we're not willing to invest so much into ourselves. My goal today is to challenge you to think differently about you because you are your own, the greatest investment you have is you. The only, time, the only problem is most times we are not willing to invest so much in us to bring the refinement that makes us to command much more extrinsic value. Praise the name of Jesus. I hope you're following me. But the, the first thing that must happen, however, is discovery. Discovery. And you see, much of scripture is really dedicated to us discovering who we are. You see, how God sees us, our real value. Much of the work of the enemy is to cloud our judgment of who we are. Much of the work of the enemy is to devalue us. You know, if you see a lady that has been devalued by the enemy, they live anyhow promiscuous, they don't think any man will marry them, they don't think they are worth, you know, so they live anyhow, and that's what the enemy does. A lot of people will make these bad choices, live crazy life. They don't necessarily just want to do that. You see, something happened here. The enemy convinced them that they are not worth much, all right? I mean, you're just no, you know, you're just a trash. You know, just you're not. Who cares about you? What, you know, you're not that great. You're not that beautiful. Whether it's a man, whether it's a woman, once the enemy convinces us, and that's what sin does, convinces us that we are not of that value, then we live our life anyhow. You see, immediately something changes inside of you, and you begin to realize how much of value you are. And that process is called discovery. And I'm praying that some people here 
will discover themselves. Some people will leave this place with a new discovery of how valuable they are to God. And that discovery will fire you up to roast your game. To get more out of your life than you are getting now. Hallelujah. So the first thing that must happen is uh, self-discovery. Now, I will read a scripture for you that has really challenged me, that has really inspired me. It's a prayer, you know, that I really want to encourage any of us. Many of us, if you have been here for a long time, I've preached on this God knows hundreds of times. But there's no way to get out of it because he's so critical to what we become of our life. Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to read verse 18. It's a small verse. I'm reading two verses out of like six verses or so of prayer that is very important for a believer to pray. So Apostle Paul is praying here. He said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know. And I want you to know three things here. Three things that is important for you to know. He said, three things that is important for the Ephesians to know that is also important for all of us to know. He said, I, I'm praying that God will open your eyes, enlighten your eyes, and you will know three things. The first thing is you will know the hope to which he has called you. So he's saying, look, God didn't call you without hope. You see, God, you know, God, God saw the, God sees the end from the beginning. See, before God went after you, saved you, rescued you, went through all that, there's a hope attached to that. There's a reason. And you're not, you're not going to die before you fulfill that hope in Jesus' name. So he's saying, I'm praying that you will know the hope to which he has called you. He has called us into a hope. Look at the second thing he wants them to know. He said, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. He said there is a glorious inheritance in you. So there's a deposit in you that is so rich. It's so rich, but most times we don't know. So life starts with discovery. You know, it starts with discovery. He said, I want you to discover what a glorious inheritance he put in you. And the, three, the third thing that he want them to know is incomparably great power for us who believe or available to us. Those three things. How many of us want to pray that prayer? Can we pray that prayer? I want you to just pray that prayer. I want you to say, Lord, I pray that you enlighten my understanding so that I know the hope you have called me into. I want you to enlighten my understanding so that I know the riches of the glorious inheritance in me. Father, enlighten my understanding so that I know the power that is available to me in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the first thing is discovery, and the discovery continues, and that's why I tell every believer to pray this. I pray this for me almost on a daily basis. Or every time I pray, I start from here. Because, you see, discovery comes by revelation. Discovery comes when God opens your eyes. It is a supernatural thing, you know. It's almost like, um, you know, the way researchers all of a sudden discover something, you know. 
they can spend seven years trying to, I mean, there's still a lot of discovery going on to cure cancer, to cure autism, to cure whatever, you know, they, I mean, there are billions and billions of dollars being spent, hundreds, maybe thousands of people all over the world now trying to discover, right? You know, trying to discover what this works, what this works. One day, and that is how it has happened to every single disease, right? Whether it's polio, whether it's this, one day somebody discovers it, right? Now, the reason why it's called discover is because it's been there. They, they are not inventing anything new. They just discover. Oh, my God, if we mix this chemical together to do this, it can actually, you know, realign some imbalance or whatever that causes this. I mean, some of these things will amaze you, you know, but it's discovery. You know, such a discovery must happen to all of us. And I'm praying that many people here will discover themselves in Jesus' name. So it starts with discovery. And after discovery, we now begin to explore. We begin to invest in what we discover. Hallelujah. All right, I'm going to read a few scriptures to you that will probably tell you a little bit more about what I'm talking about. Uh, the, the first one, uh, okay, is first Tim, Second Timothy 1 6. Second Timothy 1 6. Second Timothy 1 6. It should be on the screen, actually, by the way. I think it should be there. So let's, let's go. Okay. So look at what the apostle is saying there. He's writing to Timothy, and he's saying, I remind you to front to flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hand. So that's the process now. First, when you discover yourself, you're going to discover that the greatest asset you have in life is you. You're your own greatest asset. Hallelujah. And the more you invest in that asset, the more you refine that asset, the more you enrich that asset, the better you are going to get out of it. You know, unfortunately, most times we don't spend enough time doing that. All right? We don't even spend enough time discovering ourselves, discovering our gift, discovering our talent, discovering our vision, discovering our purpose. Most times we spend ourselves just running around. I mean, and we run around so much and we get nothing out of it and we sell ourselves short. You know, people do two, three jobs. You know, let, let's, let's bring it to maybe job now. Some people, somebody can spend all their energy doing two, three, four jobs. And by the time you combine everything, maybe you make $60,000. Now, the same person can say, you know what, over a period of time, I need to invest in acquiring knowledge so I can do one job and make that. You know, some people are not able to make those switches. All right? They're not able to just make those decisions. They're not able to. And what makes you to make those decisions is self-development, right? It's investing in you, discovering what you can do, who you are, and investing in you to be able to make more out of you. So a lot of times that's how we live our life, both in career, both in, you know, our, you know whatever, our, every aspect of our life, our spiritual life. Everything. Hallelujah. 
So let's read a few scriptures. Number one, 2 Timothy 1, 6, he said, you know, I read it. Now, Apostle Paul is telling Timothy here, there's a gift of God in you. I want you to understand that. He said, I'm reminding you to fan to flame or to stir up, all right? Stir up the gift of God. Refine it. Stir it up. Start it up. Do something. There is a responsibility in you to refine that gift, to set that gift on fire, all right? He said, the gift is in you, and that is the story of our life. Colossians 1.27 says, To them God has chosen to make known to the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery. He said, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, so he's saying that Christ is in all of us. You know, he's saying that in verse, God put Christ. You know, what he means is he puts his ability in every one of us. All of us are Capable of doing so much more because we have that supernatural being called Christ living inside of us through the Holy Spirit. You know, that's, that's very important. It's a Christ in you. Ephesians 3.20 says to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. There is God's power at work within every believer. So every believer is capable of righteous living. Every ca- believer is capable of solving complex problems. Every believer is capable of increasing their, their, I mean, their income. Every believer is capable of so much more than we go for. Hallelujah. There is so, but there is such a responsibility placed on you. You know, to get that. So you convert the potential to reality. A lot of times we just go around with so much potential, with so much treasure, with so much ability, without really stirring them up, without bringing them out, without exploring them. We stay where we are, without doing much. Praise the name of Jesus. So that my message today is to challenge you to think differently about you. Think differently about yourself. All right? Then begin to realize that you must invest in you. What you get out of life depends on how much investment you put on yourself. I gave you the analogy of roasting your game. I think that's a very, very good analogy. Many of us, we sell ourselves raw. You see, the raw you is what you carry around. I want you to, I want you to imagine something. Just imagine, I'm sure, hopefully many of you have read stories of the, um, the Williams sisters. You see, imagine the Williams sisters without their dad. You know, so just, 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 these are the most incredible, talented, right? They have it in them. I mean, some people do something, you know that they have it in them. They have it in them. It was discovered, but it was roasted, right? All right. Otherwise, without that influence, I mean, they would just be another ordinary girls anywhere. Just imagine that. 
Just imagine a late Kobe Bryant without the environment he grew up in, inspired by his dad, and all those things that happened. Just imagine that. Just imagine Michael Jordan growing up in Kenya. <laughs> Big difference. I mean, some of these things are, what I'm saying is, even though they had this talent inside of them, right? I mean, now imagine what we probably carry around inside of us. You know, and this, maybe we also our children, that's, that's part of parenting, right? To help them discover. I mean, most of those kids who end up becoming nothing, is it because they don't have something inside of them? They have incredible talent, incredible ability that was never roasted, never processed, never, you know, never. So they just, they just remain potential, right? Potential, potential. You know, in physics, we learn about potential energy, energy that was never realized, energy possessed by an object because of their position, right? You know? We calculate the energy, but the energy is just there, unrealized. Then we talk about kinetic energy, energy processed by reason of motion. That energy is doing work, right? That energy is what is giving us cars. That energy is what is giving us things that are moving because we found a way to convert the potential energy into a moving energy, kinetic energy. Very important. So it's important for us to know that we must convert our potential, right, to our reality. And the degree to which we can do that in life is the degree to which we succeed in life. So I want to challenge you. Now, two things must happen. You know, two things must happen. How do we, how do we bridge this gap between our potential and our reality? Number one, number one is acquisition of knowledge. Acquisition of knowledge. You see, knowledge is powerful. Knowledge is powerful. And unless you are deliberate about acquiring knowledge, you are going to end up not roasting your game. You're going to end up with a lot of rawness, right? With and you're going to sell yourself short, all right? Much of what we become, they're already in us. Do you know much of what we learn in school is to really discover ourselves? I mean, you go through middle school, high school. You see, you just discover what you are good at. Do you know we, we don't we don't even know how. We discover our interests, right? That's why it's designed for us to, so, to study so many subjects, right? You know, you just say, am I good in science? Do I like math? Do I like this? Do I like that? Some people might even discover that I don't like any of this. <laughs> and some people have succeeded by actually saying, you know what? All these subjects, I don't like them. Let me go outside of that. Some people have made a, you know, they've made a good of themselves by saying, you know what? And that's because they figure out early enough. And they probably have a lot of people to help them, right? To say, you know what? What I want is not here. It's somewhere else. All right? I mean, that's, 
That's how Bill Gates. So many people talk about Bill Gates dropped out. He didn't drop out. That's not true. He didn't drop out of school. He wasn't like a dropout. You know the way people say, oh, a lot of dropouts have become rich. That's not true. That's a very, very false. That's a false. I mean, he actually discovered that they have nothing for him to offer. He knew more than what they were teaching. <laughs> By the time he got into school, he, he saw that he was far ahead. He knew the, the, the newer software. I mean, he said, you know what, let me actually go and start a company and sell it to them. That's what he did. He became rich. Same thing with Zuckerberg. Same thing with all these people. So sometimes you discover that what they are offering is not there. But the point I was trying to make is much of education is to discover us. It's for something to, you have it in there. What you become, you have it in you. Now, you need knowledge to really fish it out, right? So that's why knowledge unlocks our potential. I want you to say knowledge unlocks our potential. And knowledge awakens the giant in you. That's very important. That's why the Bible really wants us to prioritize acquisition of knowledge. The Bible says a wise man will hear and increase learning. And a man of understanding will attain uh, wise counsel. You see, you can tell about how far someone will go, how successful they will become based on their quest for knowledge, based on their attitude for knowledge. And I'm not just talking about knowledge you are forced to acquire because you go to school, all right? Many of us, you only read because you have to take an exam. And you say, oh, I don't like reading. But how did you go to school? You read. All right, you studied. So why did you stop studying? Let me also challenge you. How much of your time do you devote to acquisition of knowledge? See, many of us, we are just in maintenance mode. Even in your career, let me ask in your career, how much of your time do you devote to improving, what, what I mean, professional development? Many of you don't. I mean, you just walk, walk, and you complain you're not getting a raise, you're not getting, I mean, how much of your time do you devote in developing yourself? And developing yourself might be more, is more than just uh, knowing the skill, the soft skill, right? You know, your communication skill, how much of your time do you develop in, maybe, you know, maybe to public speaking, Developing myself, knowing a lot more, knowing what is going on in the industry, talking to me, being mentored. How much of your time do you really develop, I mean, devote to that? How much of your energy? You will see that most of us, we develop, we, 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 uh, we, we devote very little, if no time at all. In fact, most times we don't do it unless we are forced to. Unless the profession asks you, you must take it ex this exam every five years. Or, the, you know, or you must do CPE or CP, whatever we call it, right? CPU. Every, every industry has its own, right? So whatever it is called. But unless you are forced to do that, you do that. But on your own, how much do you devote to that? How much of your, of your time do you devote to spiritual development, knowing God more? How much? Proverbs 23, verse 23 says, By the truth, 
and do not sell it. All right? Many people, they don't like buying for the truth. They don't like paying for knowledge. You know, people will complain here, why do I have to pay for a conference? I mean, it's like going to a store and say, I mean, why do I have to pay for that shoe? We don't do that, right? Because our value system, we don't recognize, but when it comes to the people, even here, people complain. I mean, we have leadership conference, $20, and people are complaining. I mean, $20 to improve yourself. Marriage conference, $20. Why can't it be free? So sometimes it shows our value system. I mean, and you're not going to go for it outside. I will be happy if you go to seek that knowledge outside. Of course, it's more expensive outside. But the fact that there's such complaint shows that there is a fundamental difference, I mean, problem with our value system. Things that are knowledge, we are not attracted to them that much. I mean, we're attracted to things. We run around, we walk, we do this, we do that. Now, roasting our game is knowing what to do with your money after you earn them. You know, you don't get rich by just earning money. True wealth comes from what you do with the money you earn. Maybe that just flew over people now. And I'm very, very serious. I'm very serious about this. Many of us, when you say market... You, you, just, you just block your mind. I mean, I mean, I don't know why. It's sad that many of us don't, but you limit yourself because of lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge about what happens to your money. Many people, we talk about life insurance. I mean, what's all this insurance stuff? Me, I don't know. <laughs> But the interesting thing is you, you really already know a lot of complicated stuff. I mean, somebody's doing surgery. I mean, somebody's doing all these. But things roasting your game. I mean, look at the example of a hunter. Look at the amount of energy to go and hunt. The risk to go and hunt, right? Going to the bush to go and hunt with a gun, with a spear, all right? You... you you spend a lot of energy. You come home. Someone is not willing to acquire skill to roast. That's their problem. That's how we live our life, right? You're not, able, you're not willing to acquire. You just say, you know what? I just know how to hunt. That's what I do. And you sell it for $20. And someone that is able to go a little further and acquire skill to roast is able to get $200 instead of $20. Who is wise? So I want you to, so it's not just about strength. That's why Ecclesiastes says wisdom is better than strength. Wisdom is better than weapons of war. Instead of just pursuing weapons of war, you should pursue knowledge and wisdom. Hallelujah. Most of us just prefer to spend a lot of energy doing We spend a lot of energy maintaining. We're too busy running around instead of pursuing knowledge. So I want you to become, you see, knowledge lovers. People who want to know more. 
people who are thirsty for more knowledge because that's how you roast your game. That's how you, that's an investment in you. Whether it's your career, whether it's about the world you live in. Let's say even about your taxes. Know more about that. This is not complicated. Buy a book about it. Go to the library and just go and read about it. You're going to discover that you are making a lot of decisions now that is costing you a lot of money, more than the rate you, the race you are pursuing. I mean, you might discover some things about choices you're making, life, I mean, that could really change your life. Look, that is why I'm saying the greatest investment is investing in you. Invest in improving yourself. I believe I'm talking to intelligent people, smart people, people who love knowledge, people who want to succeed and want to do well in life. Many of you are already so educated. You have master's degree. You have more. But you see, I want you to invest a little more time in roasting your game. Praise the name of Jesus. I'm, I'm out of time. The second thing is just not acquisition of knowledge. It's conversion of that knowledge to wisdom. That takes more time, but I'm going to talk about it in two minutes and we're going to close. That's a little more difficult to do. But the Bible says um, in Proverbs 4, 7, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Or wisdom is the principal thing. That is the King James Version, New King James Version. So wisdom, I mean, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. In all you're getting, get understanding. You see, the, the most important thing is to get wisdom. That's where you want to go. Wisdom is ability to make right decisions. Wisdom is the ability to know, to apply knowledge correctly. But wisdom is the principal thing, but knowledge is the fundamental thing, right? Knowledge is needed to be wise. You need knowledge to make wise decisions, whether decisions for your children, whether decisions for your life, decisions about your career, decisions about your future, decisions about your money, decisions about where you go, where you live, all these decisions, are, they require wisdom. Wisdom is knowing the will of God, knowing the right thing to do. The right application of knowledge is wisdom. But you must have knowledge first. All right? You must have knowledge. And you must now convert that knowledge to wisdom. That is applying it to how you live on a daily basis. It's not just about knowing the Bible. You know, being able to quote them is about being able to apply them to your life. Apply them to your family. Apply them to how you treat your wife, how you treat your husband, how you run your life, how you do your money, how you, do your, how you run your time. That's really where wisdom comes. So, but you must acquire knowledge and figure out to convert that to actionable wisdom, which is what the Holy Spirit helps us to do. All right? The Holy Spirit, the Bible says the Lord gives wisdom. Out of his mouth comes understanding. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of understanding. You see, the Holy Spirit is what helps us to fully understand what we are learning so we can apply them. So there are three words there as I close. One is knowledge. I wanted to say knowledge. The second is understanding. And the third is wisdom. 
wisdom. So knowledge, understanding, wisdom. All right. Knowledge is acquired. You must acquire knowledge. All right. That means you go after. You study. Study yourself to show your study to show yourself approved. Understanding comes from the Lord. Understanding comes from the Holy Spirit. Understanding comes from your ability to introspect, to ask questions, to dialogue. And we have that person of the Holy Spirit to cause us to understand, all right, the why, be, be, you know, the why behind the what. So knowledge is what, all right? We know the why. And when we know the why, then we know the how. Right, we're able to apply them to our lives. Praise the name of Jesus. But my greatest message today is to let you know that your, the greatest asset you have is you. You are your greatest asset. And you must treat you as an investment. Develop you. Invest in you. Right? So that you can get more out of you. Otherwise, you are going to go around presenting your raw self and you are going to get less out of it in life. Let's bow down our heads. Let's bow down our heads and pray. I want to wrap up today first by making a call. If you are here, you have not given your life to Jesus Christ. 